Hello, my name is Lauren Perez, and I have the extreme pleasure of sharing with you today my testimony of how I got to know Jesus Christ and the radical change I experienced when I invited Jesus Christ into my heart. I am uh, 36 years old with a brand new baby girl and a two-year-old son. And my heart wants to, I wanted to share wisdom from the experiences I have had from growing up and um, because they really tailored who I am today. I got saved. I invited Jesus Christ into my heart at the age of 29. My hope, my prayer is for the audience, young girls, um, teenage girls, to um, to be able to invite Jesus Christ into their hearts at a much earlier age to really help spare heartbreak and poor decisions. So let me begin from um, when I was age 13, there was a, a pretty monumental event in my life that um, really triggered a lot of a lot of stuff that I realized later on that I had to heal from. So the event that I'm just gonna kind of allude to uh, when I was 13 with my dad was um, it was a decision that he made for himself. Um, I've, I just want to say because things between him and my brother were, really rocky. Um, my brother wasn't making good decisions. He was, um, he was a, he was a difficult child where, uh, where he just butted heads with my dad a lot. They fought a lot. Um, my, my brother would threaten things. Um, he'd like, um, like suicide, he would threaten suicide. And, um, if he didn't get the, he was, I guess you could just say just uh, he man manipulated it a lot. Um, so there was a lot of stress in the family. And I think uh, with my dad, he chose to help him cope with that um, by relying on, to say, uh, another friend that was outside of the family. And, um, and I found out about it. So I'm, to be honest, I don't really know the extent of that relationship. Um, but uh, at the time when I was 13 and I found out about it and I t went to my mom and brother and told them about it because I didn't know how to handle it or process the information I just found out about, which I don't think I was meant to find find out about. So um, I just, I didn't process it well. And I started to come up with um, wrong beliefs and about who I was and why why my dad made this decision. And it, um, to me, it just violated trust. It was a huge betrayal. It was a stab in my heart. Um, I, I saw the hurt in my mom and my brother and, um, and, but we never really talked about it. So that, that was another issue too. And, um, so I think we just kind of made up the information that we didn't know, and moved on from life that way, which is not healthy. And, um, but really what that began was a root of, um, 
anger and feeling of not good enough. My self-worth plummeted and rejection was super heavy. And um, that led to really not good things, good things in my life, bad decisions in my life. And so it, it just began this r- roller coaster, this ride of bitterness, of anger, of resentment. Um, I, I learned from my brother, um, in a weird way to, um, how to act, how to behave, because I, I wanted my parents' love and attention and acceptance. My brother, because he was just a very difficult child, um, he just, he created so much stress, um, for the family that I, I wanted to be an easygoing, lovable kid who just smiled all the time. And my, I remember my dad always saying, I just, I just want you to be happy. And my mom would always would call my dad at work or something. He, if he was traveling on a business trip and, and say, Oh, Steven did this. My brother, Steven did that. And, and, and my dad's just like, I just want good news. Just give me some good news. So I felt like that was my job to be the happy kid with the good news. Um, but that's hard to do when you're bitter and angry and feeling, uh, you know, self-hatred, <laughs> this like hatred towards life and self and others. And I'm just like, so it was a, it was a double life I lived. I was happy, bubbly, shiny on the outside, but on the inside, I just had these horrible emotions and feelings. I just, but that I didn't know how to, or that I should express, um, and I was mad at myself for being mad because <laughs> I'm like, that's not who I want to be. I want to be happy, but I'm not. I have these emotions. I don't know what to do with them. So from there at the age of 13, um, I began an eating disorder. And I actually, now looking back now, I actually got the idea from a TV movie about this, about these girls, um, that one of them got into having an eating disorder. She ended up dying from it. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm not going to let it get that far. And, and I'm just like, but that's a great idea. I'm just, I felt like who I was on the outside was not acceptable or good enough. And, um, like had all, had everything to do with my appearance. And so, um, so I just felt like I was, too big or too round or pudgy or maybe not athletic enough or um all these things in my head that it just wasn't enough and um so I started this eating disorder um both bulimia and anorexia um exercising a lot and um from there it led to um smoking cigarettes smoking marijuana and drinking and really at the age of 15, that was, that was where it began. And, um, it just felt good to laugh uncontrollably and for no reason. And like, it just felt good to laugh when, when I got high. Um, and, and then it felt good to numb out when I drank. So that was the beginning of that relationship with, um, my, with drugs and alcohol. But at the same time, still being very um, 
active in school. Granted, I switched from playing softball to the drama club because I could skip drama club, go smoke, smoke a bowl, and then um, get not get caught. That teacher was kind of easy. I could skip his class and he wouldn't, wouldn't really care. But anyways, my parents were just, they had no idea. They just thought everything was fine. Um, which was my goal. <laughs> Make everybody think everything's fine. But in the underside of things, it was, it was dark. It was really, really dark. And, um, and it just, because of my low self-esteem, no self-esteem, no self-confidence in who I am, who I was, um, I, I, I looked towards popular girls. What, what did they do? What did they wear? How did they style their hair? How did they, um, have conversations with people like, man, they're funny. I want to be just like that. And so I tried so hard to be someone I wasn't. And that created even more anger and self-hatred towards myself because I'm like, I'm trying to be someone I'm not living a lie. And it just turned myself into being empty, this empty soul, this empty person. And so again, I would try, I would use food. I would use food to fill up, to try to have that short-term pleasure of food and then feel this sense of relief when I threw it up. I was in control. And I think that was another thing too, that my environment around me was so unstable, you know, with my dad and brother's volatile relationship and now learning I couldn't trust, you know, even uh, adults, my parents, my 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 dad. And I don't know if there was any type of blame that I placed on my mom, like, man, could she have done anything better? Could she have loved dad better? Could she have done this better so that this didn't happen? You know, all these thoughts when you're a teenager with all these crazy hormones flooding through your body as you're going through puberty and then having this massive event happen, like that shakes your world. I mean, talking about myself that it shook my world. Um, how, what I viewed and how I viewed my dad just was like, it just fell. And I'm like, well, but then what can I believe in? What can I trust? I mean, I really placed a lot of trust and value in my dad and, and this just really shook me up. Um, it ended up, I would, I would always have boyfriends and, um, I lost my virginity at age 17 and I just wanted the love and affection and approval and acceptance from the opposite sex, from guys. Um, so I always had boyfriends and, um, I just, I liked that I always had guy friends too. <clears throat> I just, I liked that I could, um, get along with them and feel accepted and just be one of the guys. And, um, so that was, that's that area of boys and just thinking that that's what, what guys wanted was to, to have sex. And so I gave myself early in that area, um, not really realizing, you know, the effects of that, the emotional effects of that. And again, I, I think because I lost my, my virginity so young and really in a really non, you know, emotional way, like, it, you know, a teenage romance, um, what did I know? And, um, and again, that I just viewed myself as just of no value, of no worth. And with other boyfriends after that, let me see, I think I had two two boyfriends after that, maybe some relationships here and there, but they you know, were intimate. They were 
you know, we had intercourse and it was just like, I didn't, if I respected myself and my body, but all I wanted was their attention and acceptance. And, um, okay. So from there, um, I ended up starting to work three jobs. I think again, just to prove that I had some self-worth and value that I could be self-sustainable. <clears throat> but at the age of 17 is when things really got, I couldn't handle it anymore. I, um, I could not control my emotions. I got into a severe depression. You know, I tried to commit suicide in, in, um, by driving too fast in a snowstorm. I'm from the East coast. I'm from, um, an area North of Boston. And so it snowed a lot. And so <clears throat> I knew if I took a corner too fast and tried to, um, try to take a turn on a slick road, it wasn't, I was just going to end up going straight. And so that's what I attempted to do, knowing that there was a rock underneath a big pile of snow I was hoping to hit. Um, I just got my car stuck and having to call someone to help me out. But at this, <laughs> anyways, um, my emotions were out of control. All I just cried. I could not stop crying. I had a dark cloud over me. I felt like I was just like, like with your hand in front of your face, um, like my vision was so obscured. And, um, and so I ended up going into the psych ward at, at age 17 with the suicide attempt, with the uncontrollable emotions. I had, I couldn't go to school. I couldn't go to work. And, um, but at the same time I go to the psych ward and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is what I needed. I need a break from life, from my family, from the pressures I put myself under with school, with, with work, <clears throat> um, trying to be someone I wasn't two years after that, I got into a 10 year relationship with, with a guy that, um, I just wanted his approval. He was a lot like my dad, which I know weird, <laughs> but, um, I just think I wanted my dad's approval and acceptance and love so bad that I found a guy that was like him. And so I was with him for 10 years and, but I left, I wasn't happy. I was, I still drank. I was still smoking, hiding, hiding things. I was angry, bubbly, shiny person by day. I went to school, went to work, had a really good job, made money at night. I would just drown myself in alcohol, cigarettes, and the eating disorder. Um, so by the, that was 10 years. So age 29, I just said, forget it. And I, I think I went, I went cross country to California to visit my girlfriend. She introduced me to her fortune teller. And I told her, I said, I need to get away. I, I don't know. I'm trying to be the peacekeeper for my family because no one in my family knew how to communicate with each other. And everyone had feelings and, and, um, opinions and thoughts and this and that, but didn't know how to communicate them with one another. So I took that on as my role. I was the peacekeeper of the family trying to communicate everyone. I just had a, a lot of burden. It was heavy, heavy stuff I was trying to carry throughout my teen years. Um, and into adulthood, age 29. That's when I finally said, forget it. I'm out of here. And, um, fortune teller told me that Sedona, Arizona would be a great place to go because I was super into new age. I grew up Catholic trying to read the Bible because I thought that's what you were supposed to do being Catholic and everything. But I, I, I did go to the Bible. I tried to pray and I said, God, fix my family. God, help my family. Help me. I just want to be happy. And nothing was working. I'm like, what the heck? I'm still miserable. I would have like one happy moment, one ray of sunshine day. And I'm like, okay, 
when's the rain coming back? When is it just going to get crappy again? Like I just was so used to living in this deep depression that I just couldn't trust my surroundings. That's what it was. I was trusting, my, <laughs> I was trying to trust my circumstances, my surroundings, going to school, getting a degree, going to college, you know, and just like trying to have everything on the outside be perfect. That's what I can control. Uh, my career, my friends, my school, my appearance, my athletic ability, like, yeah, I really love to run. That was my outlet. Um, I was on antidepressants and, um, so it, it was just a crazy, crazy life. Just sad, just desperately, desperately trying to find joy in my life, not wanting to go to bed at night because, um, I didn't want the next day to come. It was a horrible way to live. And I just, I got fed up with it. And so, yeah, I drove cross country to, from, Byfield, Massachusetts, a small town north of Boston, and I drove cross country um, to Sedona. And from there, I just continued to hunger and strive. I mean, the crazy thing is, is that, you know, I, I left everything, family, life, and what I was used to and comfort and this and that, and I drove cross country. But the thing is, is that, you know, my eating disorder was still there. I thought I thought I would heal my eating disorder. <sighs> Um, but no, <laughs> surprise, here it is. And, um, and I was so mad at myself. I'm like, what the heck? And it was true. I could not drive cross country away from myself. I was still with myself and that was what needed to change. And so I was just desperately seeking and searching. Um, you know, I went to Catholic church and I, I really heavily got into new age stuff, like worshiping angels and, um, crystals, crystal stones and salt baths and, um, saging and all this stuff that really like woo woo -wee things. And I just, at one point was like saging myself, trying to cleanse my aura and my spirit from the wicked and evil of the day. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I just want to go to bed. Um, so at this point, actually I, I was working at a therapeutic boarding school for girls in Arizona. Like it, it just through networking and, and, and connecting with people, there was a position available. I was, I needed a job. And so I, I started working at this school for troubled teens. And that was really a godsend for me. I learned a lot there. I was like, man, these girls are teenagers and they're learning how to dive into their emotions, understand their emotions, um, communicate their emotions, their needs and whatnot in a healthy way. And I'm like, oh man, I wish I had this <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, and then realizing later as I was searching and reading my Bible, I'm like, no, I just need Jesus. I just need, I just need um, a, something. I don't know. I opened my Bible, my Bible because I was still searching and still empty and still mad at myself, self-hatred and everything. And I was just sick of living that way. And I just went back to my Bible, but I'm like, I don't know how to read the Bible. I don't understand this. Is this supposed to relate to me? So I was searching and searching for a Bible teaching church. Um, I ended up going to um, uh, Prescott, Arizona, which was like 50 minutes away, but they were having, it was Memorial Day and they were having um, some events downtown Prescott. Never was there before. I went with some girls from, from um, the school that I worked with and there was a, um, a concert, outdoor concert, and at the end of the concert, there was, it was a preacher and he gave an altar call to say, who is here is empty? Who is looking and searching and seeking? Um, 
who needs Jesus Christ? And I knew I needed Jesus. I just didn't know how. And so my girlfriend next to me, she raised her hand and I was like, oh, so they gave me the courage to raise my hand. Um, God really, really dealt with me. He showed me that the, the 10 year relationship with the guy I was in, that he was my God. Cause I was still, you know, 2,600 miles away from home. And, um, and I still had conversations in my head with my ex-boyfriend wanting his acceptance and everything I did. Would he approve of this? Would he think this is cool? Oh, he would think that was lame and stupid. Don't waste your time. You know what? He was my God. Um, my dad was my God. You know, I realized that God was not my God. And, um, and so I gave my life. I surrendered somewhat. <laughs> I knew I needed God. I, I started going to the church, um, that put on the concert and, um, you know, I had this, this met this woman who ended up really being like my mom. And to this day, she's like, literally like my, I thank God for her all the time. She really helped me out. She prayed with me and she was really my spiritual mentor. She is, she still is. And, um, and so I, was still trying to control my life somewhat. And it took me about seven months of continually going to church and reading my Bible and praying and just learning and talking with the pastor and going for counseling. Um, and then God will get you. He will get you. He knows you. Like he creates, he creates every single one of us for a purpose. He has a plan for our lives. And um, there was a sermon this pastor from another country, Netherlands, Holland, Pastor Martin Kluck. And he was dealing with me because I was, I was ready to move back home to Boston because life was just too hard and I couldn't handle it. And I could, I could, I had a job back home and, um, you know, my parents were helping. They wanted me to come back home. You know, my parents really, um, they, they love me and they care for me. And, um, they wanted me to come back home. And so they said, just sell your car. You can have ours. And so it was very enticing to go back home because things were just kind of crazy out here. And, and, and I think, you know, the devil will do that. He'll lie to you. You know, you're on the right path to getting saved with Jesus Christ. And then he just come, he tries to interfere. And, um, and so the pastor that, that day, January 10th, 2016, um, said, if you're thinking about moving, if you're having a huge life decision, you have to talk to God about it. Ask God about it. And I thought, I, well, I'm, okay, I didn't talk to God about it. I told him what I was going to do. And I said, Lord, this is my plan. Help me to make it come true. <laughs> that was, but that wasn't God's plan. I didn't ask him, God, what is your plan for me? Um, I hit the altar that day. You know, I, I hit the altar all the time, to be honest with you, because I just love the intimate relationship I have with, with Jesus, with God at the altar. It's just humbling. I need that. Um, but I just surrendered, totally surrendered seven months into my salvation. And, um, and then God really opened a door for me from there. I, I, um, started dating a wonderful, awesome man from church and got married like six months after that. And now we have two kids and it's, um, I can't look back. I can't, I mean, it's just, it's the, the change in my life from where I came from, from that darkness I lived under, from the cloud that always was there. Um, there is joy. There is hope. There is peace in my life. 
Um, I sought so many things to try to bring me joy, peace, comfort, happiness. I mean, I really, I, it was, I wanted to be happy. I was so desperate to be happy, you know, reading magazines, trying to get ideas and from magazines, from popular people. And, um, I was trying to fill myself with relationships with drugs and alcohol and it was a horrible way to live. And, and now I have two beautiful babies and, you know, my own daughter, I do not want her to grow up like this. I want her to learn and know and just that Jesus Christ is the way that he sets us free, that he, he see, he, it's like he took the veil off of my eyes to really see things for what they were, that he, he died for us. He gave his life for us because he loves us so much. And it's like, God is our heavenly father and our earthly fathers may disappoint may betray, may make bad decisions that really hurt us. Um, our heavenly, our, our, our earthly fathers are, are human. Like we're human. We make mistakes. And so, um, you know, I learned to forgive my dad. Um, I learned to forgive my brother for being the catalyst to, you know, the mayhem in our family. And um, it's hard. It's hard work. It's not like an overnight thing where it's like, oh, Lord, I, I pray to forgive and bam. No, it's hard work. You know, because there's there's deep rooted emotions and and experiences that um, that we've all gone through. Um, but God is good. He teaches us to love one another as we love ourselves. He teaches us that love covers all sins. And you know, people people hurt us. And um, but we're human. We're all just human. And God teaches us to love and to forgive. Um, I had a lot of anger in my heart, and God says that having anger in your heart is like murdering the other person, you know, cause it's like you do, you kind of cut off that person. You, you are, are rude. You're cold. You're, you have horrible thoughts towards that person. It's almost like murdering them, you know? Um, and, and God does not like that. So I just had to repent a lot of repentance and God just, um, he helps me every day. I'm, I'm human. I make mistakes. Um, but I don't hate myself for those mistakes I make. So, um, God has, he's set me free. And I just wanted to share that with, with this audience specifically because it was a lot of heartbreak. It was a lot of heartache, um, pain that I just didn't know how to healthily, effectively, um, channel. And now I have God as my, as my heavenly father, who is always there, who loves me no matter what, who gave his only son to die for me, my life because my life matters. He created me for a purpose and a plan. So that is my story, my testimony, which God deals with me all the time about how important it is to share your testimony, my testimony with others so that like you can see the night and day difference. Like um, I'm human. I experienced a lot of things in my life, uh, made really bad decisions. Um, but the very most best decision ever was accepting Jesus Christ into my heart and allowing Jesus to change who I am, to tell me the truth of who I am, that I am a child of God, that I am amazing, I am worthy, I am enough. And that is the message I want to give to each and every single one of you who are listening. Thank you and God bless.